What love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, for our message today, we focus on the Gospel reading for this weekend, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and verses 18 through 23. Jesus takes us to the farm and to the fields with the parable of the sower and the seed. Now, you probably know that a parable is one of those stories from everyday life that the Lord uses to to make a, a godly spiritual point, to send some godly spiritual message. Jesus used his parables to illustrate points when it came to his followers, but at the same time, he used parables to veil truths from his enemies who had hardened their hearts. So today we're going to go with Jesus to the farm in the field, the parable of the sower of the seed, and we're going to think about this take-home message. God has made you good ground. Thank God for doing this, and let your ground produce much good. So Matthew, first of all, sets the stage. He said that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat on it while all the people stood on the shore. Now, Jesus then goes into talking about different receptions of the word of God with this parable in terms of the sower and the seed. He said then, whoops, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, remember that in a parable, there's always a main point, and there may be some sub-points uh, that the Lord uses to teach his lesson. And in this parable, the Lord gives us the points of comparison. He explains the parable. And when we go to verse 18, we're reminded of the fact that there is the sower. Now, normally in our celestial plains of Minnesota, when you think about sowing, you may think of a big humongous tractor and a 48-row planter. In of which we're speaking, you're probably looking at more like this. The farmer's going out and just flinging his seed here and there. In the parable, the sower is God, or you might say anybody by transferal that uh, proclaims his word in his behalf. The seed is the word of God, and the soil really are the souls of humankind and the reception that people give to the word of God. And remember that God would have all people to be saved. Remember that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Remember the great commission that we are to go out and make disciples of all people, baptizing and teaching. The Lord wants his message of his word to go out into the world and to touch all people. But the fact is, not everybody receives the word in the same way. And there are some mysteries that are connected with this that I cannot explain and God has chosen not to explain to us. But Jesus gives us four examples then of how the word is received. 
And the first then, he explains in this way. It says verse 20 up there, but this is verse 18. Listen then to the parable of the sower, what the sower means. The parable of the sower means, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. Now this is the person, for example, who's sitting in church, or sitting in a Bible study or a class. They hear the facts. Maybe they hear that God is one and yet Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They hear that uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who is also the Son of Mary, true God, true man. He lived, he died, he rose again. They hear all the facts. They, they register the facts up here in their brain, but there is not the understanding of faith. They, they do not understand that Jesus is the second person of God who came for them to save them, and they do not believe it, so they do not have this understanding to which Jesus refers. You might ask the question, well, why? Well, it could be something that happened earlier in their life, maybe some bad experience with church, with the pastor, with a teacher, maybe with some church member and just turned them off, and so they've tuned out the word of God. It could be that something has happened in their life that they consider to be unfair, uh, to be not right. Maybe they've become ill, or, or they have a kind, loving loved one who has uh, passed away and they think this is not right. Maybe they look at the, the catastrophes and the tragedies that take place in the world and they say, well, if God is such a wise, loving, and powerful God, why does he allow these things happen that kill so many people and damage so many lives and cause so much destruction or maybe it's a case of where they're self-righteous and they just feel well I'm good enough and I don't really need a savior or perhaps it's a case of where they say I don't believe there really is a God but the result is they are unresponsive now Jesus gives a second example verse 5 he says some fell that some seed fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now Jesus nicely gives us the explanation to what he's talking about here. In verse 20, he said, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You know that I'm not just a recent seminary graduate and that I've experienced many things in ministry. And sadly, I've seen the, the case of many people who come to church with maybe a friend or a loved one for the first time, or perhaps they're just curious and they walk in and they hear the word of God, they hear the message of Christ and they find it just a wonderful comforting messages and they're filled with great joy and they come back and they hear it again and they come back and they hear it again but then things begin to happen they get busy and uh, they become distracted and the comeback becomes less and less and then not at all and what began with the sowing of the seed never really had the chance to develop roots that needed to go down and to mature what had happened when the seed was sown or it could be the person who goes through the Bible information class and is excited about hearing the teachings of Christ and the Bible and finds great joy in them and comes to church, but then the class is over and they never make the transition from the class to the Bible class. 
And perhaps because there is not the ongoing contact with their pastor, their staff minister who's teaching their class, the church attendance begins to dwindle. And then eventually it dies out. And again, the roots are not growing. Or it could be the confirmand who has gone through all the foundational Christian education of those early years in the Lutheran elementary school or Sunday school or Wednesday school. And then they go through the confirmation class and they come to that time where they're going to be confirmed and they're going to start taking communion. And there is great excitement and there is great joy. And then they're confirmed and they take communion. And then all of a sudden things began to drop off. Maybe mom and dad are not very regular in attending worship or at all. Or maybe it's a case where there's some rebellion that takes place as a result of the sinful nature. And as a result, the person is not uh, coming to worship and is not doing anything to grow. And the roots are not going down. It's like the seed on the, the soil that is very shallow and it, beneath it has the rocky ground. And so then when the troubles of life, it could be the sickness comes again, the loved one dies, there are the family problems, maybe there is the depression, there is the financial deals that come in life, maybe, maybe there are other kinds of troubles that come, they just are not ready and they look and they think, well, if God loves me, why does he allow these things? And they don't understand that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be crosses to bear. Certainly God will be with us, but they're just not ready. Or when they start taking the flack of persecution, people start, you know, questioning and challenging them when it comes to their Christian faith. And maybe somebody even hurts them for their Christian faith, whether it's physically or financially or uh, relationally. They're not ready for it. And they begin to wither and wilt and finally they fall away and that's because they are impulsive in their reaction, but they do not follow through and there is no growth. The third example that Jesus gives is the other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The seed falling among the thorns, Jesus went on to explain, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus is talking here about the person who in their soul has tentacles of worry and anxiety. They are just given over to worrying about everything all the time. And they're not putting their trust in the Lord to the extent that would be good for them and is godly. Or else they're being sucked into the deceitfulness of wealth. It could be the person in our present circumstances who is just overwhelmed by what they perceive as the dangers of COVID-19 and that COVID-19 might kill them or it might kill some loved one. And as a result, they're just so wrapped up in this and how can I wash my hands enough times? How can I mask myself enough places? How can I withdraw enough times? And they're so focused on this that they're not really into the word of God to the extent that they need to be. Or it could be the person who's just all wrapped up in what's happening on the political and the, the, the societal front with all the unrest and all of the, the junk that's going on that they're worried and fearful and they're not really focusing on the word. On the other hand, it could be the person who's sucked into the deceitfulness of wealth. And they're thinking to themselves, if only, if only I had a lot of money, 
I would be a whole lot better off. Life would be easier. I'd be a whole lot happier. Now, I understand in those times when, for example, you have those unexpected guests, the transmission goes out in your car. Suddenly you have the, uh, the unexpected medical expense and the insurance doesn't cover everything. Maybe the washing machine goes and the roof leaks and things like that. And you find yourself in those circumstances where, you know, the income just is not covering the expenses. It would be nice to have a little extra money. I think probably all of us would say, you know, in some ways that stimulus check was, was welcome uh, in that it may have helped you. Or it could be the unemployment that uh, came with the, the, uh, the stimulus package and so on. But the fact is that money is not going to make life better in the long run. And I, I truly believe if you're not happy without money, you're not going to be happy with money. You're still going to have a lot of the same problems, inwardly speaking, that you had when you perhaps didn't have as much money. And all your money is going to do is to allow you to suffer in style. And if you're wrapped up in money, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, your desire for wealth is going to lead you into all kinds of destruction. And that's what Jesus is saying with people who are, who are caught up like the, the, the seed among the thorns with the worries and anxieties of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. They're preoccupied. But then Jesus goes on and he gives one more example here. Still other seed fell on the good ground where it produced a crop. 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And here's his explanation, verse 23. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, there's part of me with that would just like to ask the question, do you believe in the God who is one, yet Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Son of Mary, true God, true man, who lived, died, and rose again for you, and that through faith in Jesus you have the forgiveness of sins? If so, let's stand up and let's say the Apostles' Creed, but don't do that because the program says we do it after I say the Amen. But if you believe those things, nod your head. Okay? You are good ground. You are the good ground that the Lord talks about here. But you are a good ground not because of what you have done or what you have made yourself, but because of God's grace in your life. The Bible tells us as we come into the world, we're, we're infected with sin. Paul wrote to the Ephesians that, that we were dead in our transgressions. We were by nature objects of wrath. So as we came into the world, we were spiritually dead, we were eternally damned, and there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. There was nothing we could do to deliver ourselves from this condition or from this destiny. But what we could not do, God did. He did as he sent his son to be our savior. He did it as he sent his spirit into our hearts. Just the far, as the farmer who's uh, tilling some, some new ground, some virgin ground, so he can plant some crops there, he has to use a, probably a big tractor and a good-sized plow. The Holy Spirit used the law of God to break up the hardness of our heart, 
to convict us of our sinfulness, to convince us we needed a savior. But then he came along with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he showed us how Jesus was everything for us, what God wants us to be for him, holy and perfect. Jesus obeyed in every way the commandments that God lays on us. Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. And as a result, God has declared us to be fully forgiven and to be completely innocent in our sight. And this is ours through faith. And so God is the one who has made us the good ground. Now, why do we focus on this? Why did Jesus talk about this? Well, it certainly wasn't to build us up in terms of making us conceited or think that we are better than anyone else. But the Lord wanted to impress this upon people so that they realized what a, a great reason we all have to thank God. Every morning when we get up, we are fully loved by God. We are fully forgiven by God. We are fully members of the family of God. We are fully heirs of eternal life. And every night when we go to bed, we are the same. And for that, God says, I want you to thank me. Thank me in your weekly worship. Thank me in your prayer and your devotional life. And thank me in your lives. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about producing a crop, a good crop, whether it's 100 or 60 or 30, whatever it is that our faith produces, the Lord wants us to be bringing forth good fruit, good works in our lives. And of course, good works don't save us. Jesus has done that. But good works are a way that we can glorify God for his saving us, and it's a way that we can say, thank you, Lord. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus is talking about the last judgment, he talks about the fact that many people aren't even going to realize the good works that they do. And isn't it true that a lot of the things that we do out of love for the Lord and out of our faith just kind of flow and we don't really think about them. They're just natural for, for the believer to produce from his or her spirit. But there are those things that the Lord wants us to consciously think about, to make intentional in our lives. Just think about when Jesus told his disciples, love one another. Or, or he says, forgive one another, encourage one another, be patient with one another, bear each other's burdens. And so the Lord wants us to not only show our love and thanks to him, but also to show our love for one another, for others, because in doing so, again, we are thanking the Lord and we are producing those good things that the Lord wants us to produce, not to bring attention to ourselves, but to bring attention to God. But going back to Jesus and his first three examples, doesn't he also give us a caution for our sinful nature, which does not keep in step with God's spirit or want to do God's will? And, and there's always the devil out there who's always wanting to lead us astray. So we have to be careful when it comes to the reception of God's word that we don't tune it out. That we don't come into church and all of a sudden there it is, our smartphone is there and we're checking out the news. We're looking at all the messages. We're reading the bulletin. We're doing whatever and we're not paying attention to the message. It's important that we take the time to come and hear the word so that... When the word's proclaimed, it's not just like seed thrown out on the hard-packed ground and the devil can come and snatch it away. 
We want to make sure that we're growing in the Word so that we've got those deep roots, so that when the troubles of time and the persecutions of time come, we remember that God told us this is the way it would be, but He's going to be with us to get us through. And we want to make sure that we're using the word law and gospel so that we're always cautious about, you know, the worries and the anxieties of life, which just seem to naturally come to us as sinful human beings. And we're not letting them drag us away. At the same time, we're letting, not letting the deceitfulness of wealth do the same. And therefore, sisters and brothers, it's really important that we be into the word. Weekly worship. But when you worship, prepare to worship. Get a good night's sleep before you come so that you're not struggling with dozing off during the worship, during the, the proclamation of the word. And I know if you work night shift, that's always a, an, an issue, but then maybe plan accordingly. Look ahead. You know, normally under normal circumstances, we always tell you what the readings and the sermon text for the next reading, the, what the next week are going to be and what the liturgy is going to be. Take a look at it. Take a look at those readings and prepare yourself and then pray that God would help you to tune out the world and tune into the word when you come to worship so that you can make the most of that and give the Holy Spirit the greatest opportunity to work in you, to grow those roots deeply, to produce much good. And on a personal basis, take time. Take time to be into the word. Whether it's using the meditations or the Wells devotions or Pastor Smith's email devotions or uh, the time of grace, grace messages or different, different uh, parts of God's word that you use, giving the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and grow you and enable you to produce much good in your life. And make use of Bible studies, whether it's coming to the Bible studies that we have in person or whether it's using the virtual church or the online Bible studies that you can use at any time. And, and they're non-threatening. You can just sit there and look at them and, and, and take them in and apply those messages to your life. Let the Holy Spirit work because he has made you good ground. And it's God's will then that you produce much, much fruit. And so as you go home, remember, you are responsive. You are the good ground. God has made you good ground. Thank God for doing this and let your ground produce much good. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.